<laughs> I like that you'd said it right and then corrected yourself. <laughs> now you have to correct yourself back again. Welcome to Pragmatic. Pragmatic is a discussion show contemplating the practical application of technology. By exploring the real-world trade-offs, we look at how great ideas are transformed into products and services that can change our lives. Nothing is as simple as it seems. Pragmatic is supported by you, our listeners. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so via Patreon for early release, high-quality ad-free episodes. Visit engineer.network/pragmatic to learn how you can help. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by ManyTrix, makers of helpful apps for the Mac. Visit manytricksalloneword.com slash pragmatic for more information about their amazingly useful apps. We'll talk more about them during the show. I'm your host, John Chigi, and today I'm joined by Mike Hurley. How you doing, Mike? Uh, Very well, my friend. How are you? I am exceptionally good because, yeah, we're talking again. It's been a a little while and I am so thrilled to have you back on the show. Thank you for making the time. Pleasure. Um, One of the things I was talking with Jason Snell a little while ago uh, about uh, optimal interfaces and part of the journey that I've been on back and forth and now landing somewhere in the middle, uh, starting off obviously with desktop and machines, moving then to uh, to laptops because they were more flexible. And then, of course, with the advent of tablets, particularly the iPad, I had a brief flirtation with a Microsoft Surface. I said brief, and it, it didn't last that long. And technically, I didn't pay for it, work paid for it. But anyhow, never mind. Uh, and now, back to the Mac again. So I am always seem to be endlessly searching for the best device. And one of the things that I've been been grappling with for quite some time is the whole concept. And I suppose part of the conclusion of episode 93 was uh, looking at can any one single device uh, actually give you everything that you need? I think the short answer is probably no. If you had to pick one, that's where it gets difficult. But um, I remember a tradie once said to me a long time ago, right tool for the job. Yeah, meaning you don't use a a flathead screwdriver in a Phillips head screw unless you want a bad result, I guess. (laughs) So... What I'd like to sort of like tease out a little bit today is just some more of the threads of that and and the, the strengths and weaknesses of each of those and the and, and I suppose more the practical applications of, well, literally the applications that we use as in like you and I use. And um, in order to actually start at the beginning, I suppose, I want to sort of start by just running through the list of the devices that you use, you know, just you know, day-to-day that you use for doing what you do. Yep. Yeah, on a daily basis – uh, I will be using my iPhone, mm-hmm. uh, iPhone uh, 11 Pro Max. Uh, I would typically be using my 12.9-inch iPad Pro and my iMac Pro as well. I have two other devices that get used in travel, right? So it'll either be the, that will be the 11-inch iPad Pro. I don't travel with the larger iPad Pro. And I also have a MacBook Pro, a uh, 13-inch MacBook Pro that I would take if I'm recording on the road. But on a daily basis, it is a mix between iPhone, iPad, and Mac, depending on what I'm doing. Okay, fair enough. Well, that's um, that's a pretty decent list there. Um, mine, uh, I for my for my smartphone, I'm using an, an iPhone 10, uh, iPhone X. Oh, I'm sorry, I always never mind. <laughs> you know, I like that you'd said it right and then corrected yourself. <laughs> and now you have to correct yourself back again. <laughs> You're right. I absolutely corrected myself back to front. Oh my goodness. Never mind. Uh, never mind. Um. I just want to mention Apple Watch Series 5, um, just bought in late November, so um, I'm, I'm going to throw that one out there. Uh, are you wearing an Apple Watch, by the way? Just curious. Not daily, Not daily. but I do have the Series 5 and I like it, but it, it's in my watch rotation now. Oh, okay. Fair enough then. Um, 
uh, I, I pretend to do a watch rotation by changing bands and swiping the screen. But uh, I, 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 hey, that's, I, that's a good way to do it. Gives hey, you a bit more personalization. <laughs> I do, I do enjoy it. But um, the thing is, I, uh, I also, I've been actually looking after, looking, lusting after a longings uh, uh, watch, a mechanical watch. But I just, mm. yeah, uh, I don't know. It doesn't have no notifications, so I haven't pulled the trigger on that yet. <laughs> Anyway, um, right, so beyond that, uh, iPad Pro 12.9-inch, uh, which is the second gen uh, of, with the original Apple Pencil, and uh, my workhorse machine is my 13-inch uh, 2018 MacBook Pro, uh, quad-core i7. And uh, one of the key points of that is that I do run as a desktop most of its time, right. uh, plugging into a couple of 28-inch 4K displays, well, when I'm at home. And uh, when I'm at work, well... To 23 inch nowhere near 4k displays because it is it but oh well what can you do so um that's sort of the uh so that's the list of things that we use and i sort of i guess i was thinking about how did we get to where we are so like when we when we when we think about way back in the past we had a desktop pc that's all we had there were no laptops there was nothing no mobility there's no nothing but we wanted to, to how could we get the desktop machine to do more for us First thing is we want to take it with us so we're not tied to a desk. So that drove the development of laptops, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, we had phones and we had mobile phones, but we didn't have any of the computational capabilities. It's just a dumb phone. Like I think we that's everyone calls them dumb phones now, not smartphones. But we wanted to be able to make phone calls and video calls and so on. Um, we don't always have a phone handy, so we can always get the computer to do that. So we, you know, we computers develop that ability. And then you can use it to organize photos, TV shows, movies, home automation, all of it. So... At that point, the desktop PC sort of evolved into into laptops, and 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 that's been around for the longest amount of time, and it's the most evolved. But now, uh, going along from that, we've also had dumb phones evolving the same kind of direction, and then of course, yeah, um, that's rubbed off into tablets, and some of it's rubbed off into smartwatches as well. Those smartwatches are probably the, the least mature of all the different product lines, and as they each sort of like extend a little bit more about what they're capable of, it now creates a completely different problem, which is now which is the best device for what i need to do right now i guess if people had money they could just buy and use every device there was mm-hmm. and you know and just pick the best one for the job and that's great for some people but i think the problem is that for most people that just doesn't work i mean it's either financially prohibitive or no they don't all fit in your pocket so that's where the challenge comes so what is if there's one device what would it be and just circling back to that again so if you're really honest if you could pick just one device and only one what would you have from all the lists of the things that we just listed? Oh, God. You know, I knew you were going to ask me that question. And <laughs> in my head, I answered all three of them, right? Like individually. It's like, oh, I would choose this one. No, I would choose this one. So here's the predicament, right? Yeah. Now, I figure my iPad is the closest between the two, right? Of like a phone and the, like, because it has all of the apps that I want uh, and connectivity with the power or we're getting towards the power of a desktop machine and it's got more flexibility. And like, if I wanted to record podcasts and edit them, I could do that. Like it would be more tricky, but I could do all of that on an iPad in a way that would be really difficult to do on a phone. Right. Mm -hmm. But then if I, but then if I think to myself, like realistically, if what I'm thinking about, like, is I need to continue my working life. The Mac is the most important in that because it's the, well, yeah, oh, it depends what work I'm thinking about. If it's running my business, the iPad is what I need. Yeah. If it's making the shows, then the Mac is what I need. But realistically, who can survive in the modern world 
or like without a phone these days, mm. right? Like it's becoming mm. more and more and more difficult, no matter where you live in the world, to get by without a smartphone, right? Which is why there is like pushes like Google with like is it Android Go, which is to run on on like cheaper devices so they can be sold into a more developing parts of the world. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so I guess if I could only have one, it would probably be the phone. I think. I think that's where I'd have to go. I love your work, Mike. That's exactly my answer as well. Because it's so difficult though, right? Because then it's like, well, then what does that do to my working life? If I think about just like being in modern society, mm. the smartphone is what I need. Yeah, exactly. And and having gone through this this process and uh, and thinking about this as well and doing, doing the prep for this episode, I mean, I come up with exactly the same answer. And and for pretty much the reasons that you stated, the truth is, yes, you could actually record and edit a podcast on uh, on a phone, uh, people have done it, but uh, I don't think they do it and enjoy the experience. No, com- I, I, it <laughs> is like, yeah, is it? It's like it's, it's like a logic question, right? Like, is yeah. it technically possible? Yes. Will I be able to produce something of the same quality that I can currently produce? Probably not. No. Can I do it in anywhere near the same time? No, because I'm used to the tools that I have, right? And I would, so so it yes, technically possible. Like in a in an apocalypse like scenario, could do it. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But would be it would be unlikely to work. Okay, in the way so that I want. <laughs> so we'll, we'll now step out of our technological apocalypse and move move forward to where now to allow, now to allow, allowed to have a second one. So mm-hmm. you can now have a second device. You've got your smartphone in your hand and your your um, iPhone 11 Pro Max extra size massive phone, um, which is awesome. Um, if you're even a pinch, you can use it to beat somebody, which is cool as well. So that's another feature. <laughs> um, but anyhow, so now you can take a second device. What would the second device be? And I think you've kind of answered this but I'll, already, but I'll, I'll let you say anyhow. Yeah, see, I need to be realistic at this point. All right, I prefer iOS as an operating system to macOS. It's just how I am. It's, it, it works better the way that I think. The apps are all there in the way that I want them. But if I'm going to only have two devices, I'm going to pick one iOS device and one macOS device. Like I'm gonna go for the for the Mac Pro at that point. Uh, Mac Pro at that point. I go for a Mac Pro, I guess. But that's not if we're talking about like d- defense and apocalypse scenarios. That's good. Maybe I could like strap some wheels on it and roll down the road. But <laughs> I would go for a Mac in that point because it will then I will then at least get pretty much everything I want from iOS and everything I need from macOS. Not necessarily in the device form factors that I want, but I I feel like at that point I have to be realistic if I'm making those decisions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and um, those are some nice wheels on that Mac Pro. I'm just saying. Um, I'm sure that they would they would work very well for me. <laughs> uh, I've often thought with the Mac Pro and the wheels that you, if you do have wheels and how much airflow that thing can do, you might want to tether it to something under the desk so it doesn't blow itself away down the whole corridor. <laughs> yeah, if you're on like hardwood floor, maybe yeah. maybe move around a little bit. Yeah, I'm just it, I think that's a valid concern. Uh, but anyhow, all right. Um, so I I actually huh, this is. I'm not going to say this This might get tedious or boring if we end up having exactly the same answers. But unfortunately, at this point, yes, we are more or less the same answer as well. Um, I think that iOS and Mac is um, I, need the, I need the desktop environment. And this is the mm-hmm. – I'm going to be very careful to characterize it as an environment because uh, clearly you can have uh, the iMac Pro, which is sort of arguably – the most powerful current uh, Mac that's available that you can buy on a desktop. Um, and then, of course, you could also get a, a MacBook Pro. So for my case, the 13-inch MacBook Pro, 
So I had to choose. I only had enough budget at this point for me to uh, get a laptop or a desktop. So I got a much more powerful laptop, which I then used to impersonate a desktop. And I realized that's not ideal necessarily from a um, performance per dollar expenditure, but it gives me the dual benefit of being able to unplug it and use it in a work setting in the office as well as in a home setting. Yep. So um, I think that's fair. And the reality is that when you're sort of, well, sort of thinking about this, uh, for me, macOS also, there's a lot of driver for things like screen real estate. And so it's not just the apps and the environment, but the apps and the environment are far more mature. There's more flexibility and choice of what you can what you can do. Um, that's sacrificed at the risk of complexity. And I think you nailed it before about iOS just being far more, it's, it's just far easier and more intuitive to use. And that is very, very attractive. So mm-hmm. I absolutely get that. Uh, and, and I was going to say originally, like laptops and, and desktops are better for uh, mass data entry. And the problem with that is that since for the last few years now, you can get smart keyboards, which of course, well, have no lag or should have no lag. As long as they don't keep getting that annoying error message saying this, this accessory is not supported by this device. Hey, anyhow, so there's that. Um, but smart keyboards are still pretty good in terms of mass data entry. So I don't think that's an advantage that the laptops uh, and desktops have anymore over an iPad Pro, for example. No, there are great keyboard options. Like I use the bridge keyboards. Um, yeah, they're nice too. And it effectively turns the, it just feels like a laptop at that point. Like I don't the, the keyboard's really. I mean, I prefer it to the smart keyboard, but the smart keyboard's great because it's it's easily available. It doesn't need power. Like it's you know it's it's a great product. But yeah, I agree. Like as soon as the keyboard options became viable, I mean, there was always an attempt to make good keyboards for iPads, right? Like remember, do you remember the stand one that Apple had for the original? Yeah, I had one. You could like there's like a little keyboard stand, and it had like a magic. It had like one of the magic keyboards like attached to it. Mm-hmm. And you could put the iPad in. It was super weird. Yeah, yeah. But the, I th- I feel like since the iPad Pro's invention, there have been multiple good avenues for keyboards, and I think that that made a it's made a big difference for a lot of people. Like a lot of people, I would not be as 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 heavy an iPad user as I am if the if there wasn't a good keyboard um, available. Like if they hadn't created the smart keyboard or there hadn't been really good third party options. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think that it's been uh, um, it's been as big a shift forward in usability for an iPad as the Apple Pencil, and um, the uh, the, the um, keyboard stand that, uh, that you mentioned. I actually had one of those, and uh, it wasn't too bad, uh, except for the fact that you were stuck in portrait mode. And I don't know how yeah. many people want to use an iPad in portrait mode when they're typing on a keyboard. It just never really made sense and you know, i feel like apple know this right like yeah. every ipad now can support a smart keyboard and an apple pencil like all of them even just the basic regular ipad mm-hmm. supports those products like yeah okay say the ipad mini is the outlier but the ipad mini is a kind of a product unto itself but the rate of the regular ipads they all support those now so i think Apple is as aware as everybody else that like t- to make the iPad work in people's minds, you need to show it with a keyboard. Like People want keyboards. That's what they're used to. It's what's comfortable. Yeah, absolutely right. And so I see that as, as, as a huge advantage in the tablet space. And um, one, of the, one of the big, I guess one of the, there's several driving factors, I think, for the tablets that make them so attractive. And we're sort of talking about our third device at this point, um, which is, you know, it, it's... It's not, I suppose, not so much about size, the weight and the battery life, the integrated 3G and LTE. Um, all of those things are all positives. Absolutely for sure that yes, they are. Uh, but it's more the fact that it's direct touch input 
and the fact that you can get a very accurate stylus, aka an Apple Pencil, um, with the keyboard problem long solved, I think, for, for, for it as a tablet. And there's just no way of really doing that on the Mac desktop environment. So you, you don't have that direct touch interaction and you don't have the Apple Pencil or the stylus. Now, how big a deal that is to you or not depends obviously on the use case, but f- I find a lot of the attraction uh, with the tablet being the direct touch and the precision of having something like an Apple Pencil when I need that sort of thing on a tablet. That's something you can't do on a Mac. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, you want to invest in a Cintiq tablet, which is kind of you know pricey and very specialized, doesn't really drive the operating system exactly, just certain applications, and then that's another that's another yeah thing. All right, so... You have two devices. Seems like it's a smartphone and either uh, and a desktop, but some people might have leaned towards the tablet and that's okay. But if you could afford three devices, then probably you'd get one of each, I would I would suggest. Yeah. Which is what I've got and what you've got. <laughs> so um, on the desktop front, I think I sort of touched on the whole, you know, desktop laptop thing. I think it's okay. Some people will actually have a desktop and a laptop um, and I... I'm just going back through that list, and I, I tried to make a mental note of it because um, you've got uh, you've got to the iMac Pro, and um, you don't have you don't have a laptop. I don't think did you say? No, I, don't, I have a MacBook Pro. I have one of the. I think it's the original um, MacBook Pro when the the Touch Bar was introduced, but I have the non Touch Bar version. Does that make sense? It's, it's like the twenty oh, yeah. fifteen or whatever. It's it's. An, an OG MacBook Pro and I use it honestly four times a year but those times when I use it they are very very important times so it's like recording podcasts during WWDC week which is like arguably my most important time of the year mm. so I need to have a laptop available for those times um, and that's what I'm I'm rocking a MacBook Pro for I want to get a MacBook Air because mm. that's all I need but I'm waiting for keyboard change before I do that yeah, um, and that's fair enough. I my my MacBook Pro this is the 2018 model, so 13 inch, and it's still got the it's got the third it's Apple's third attempt at the um, at the interesting keyboard mechanism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and whilst I per, whilst I personally haven't had problems, if I if I could have waited a year and three two months ago when I bought it, uh, I would have waited. But unfortunately, I needed a laptop, and and you just you get what they have available at the time. Yep. And besides which, the 13-inch model still hasn't had the uh, the refreshed keys in it anyhow. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I guess, uh, yeah, we'll be waiting a bit longer before we do that, but that's okay. So, um, all right. So on the application side, I sort of brief, briefly touched on the, the problem I had before with Mac applications. The problem with them, in air quotes problem, is that they tend to be, um, because of the fact they've been around f- for longer, generally speaking, they're less focused, and that is to say they're heavier and more bloated, well, to some people, depending upon you know what they want to do, and generally will have a higher learning curve um, than newer software. And a lot of the newer software recently has been written and developed for iOS, um, and that's because they're outselling Macs. The refresh cycle on iOS devices, particularly the phones, and their purchasing model via carriers, and and in some countries where Apple have got the whole rental program thing, not here, but oh well, uh, means you know there's a more regular purchasing cycle and then of course that drives newer models new os features that drives more uptake and more investment and hence ultimately you get more software development which is what we see that means that ios apps typically tend to be more focused and more more design and development is put into them recently so you're seeing more evolution in ios and you're seeing incremental evolution in mac os so that's on the application side and this is where things get a little bit more interesting and that is 
I'd like to then sort of like talk through some of the things that we use specific use cases now. And we touched on one briefly before, might be worth fleshing that a little bit more though, which is the whole podcast editing thing. So for each of these on the two different platforms and like a touch platform, like an iPad Pro, uh, I would suggest, or maybe a smartphone depending, uh, and, and on a Mac. And uh, so just, just to quickly recap on podcast editing then. So mm. have you ever done podcast editing on an iPad? I have tinkered around with uh, the app Ferrite, mm-hmm. which Jason Snell uses, you know, to actually edit the incomparable like that is what he edits the incomparable on now Mm -hmm. i think no matter where he is like that's what he uses and i can see how i could learn this software Mm -hmm. like i can see that um and i've tinkered with it i've played with it i've done some stuff with it and it's great but like i have not yet put the time in to do it significantly but i know it's possible to do because Mm -hmm. i know someone who publishes a very popular show and it's not, you know, I never tune into the incomparable and be like, oh, this sounds wrong. No, like Jason has, and has also worked with the developer, right, to like make it mm. the right tool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's pretty good, but I have not yet really dove into it. Okay. But I know it's possible. Okay. So uh, in terms of editing then on the Mac, um, what uh, what software do you use on the Mac? I use a combination of things. Um, I use Adobe Audition for pre-production. Mm-hmm. It has a really good like noise uh, leveling tool that I use. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't remember their actual name for it, but like it basically just like levels out the the audio and like matches it to a specific volume loudness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just works very well for me. It takes out a lot of things that I used to do with compression and stuff like that. So I, I really like it for that. It's, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, then I use uh, Logic Pro, Apple's Logic uh, Pro 10 or whatever it is to to actually do the editing. And then I use Marco Ahmed's Forecast to do the final mix to MP3 and any chapter work and stuff like that and to write the MP3 tags. Those are the tools that I mostly use. Of course, I have a bunch of other audio apps that I will use, right? So like the recording is done in a combination of Core Recorder and Audio Hijack. I use uh, Fission by Rogue Amoeba if I need to grab some audio quick. Like I have a bunch of like little utilities, but the main ones are uh, for like for the editing or audition logic and forecast. And this is the thing for me, like I produce a lot of shows on a weekly basis and I spend a lot of time doing this stuff and the workflow on the Mac, I have nailed down mm. and I'm not really interested in disrupting that because it will disrupt everything else, which is why I've never really played around with the iPad stuff too much because it's like I, I have no idea when I would actually be able to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I'm uh, – so I've – I've played with uh, both Ferrite and Logic and I'll sort of walk through my workflow in a second. But um, do you find that when you're working in Logic that you predominantly use a combination of the keyboard and the mouse or one or the other that you'd, you stick with or any any preferences for how you interact with it? So I <laughs> I use a, I use multiple tools for this. I use a uh, Wacom Intuos Pro pen tablet. Uh, that is the way that I actually operate the iMac most of the time anyway because I find it more comfortable around like arm strain and stuff like that. And the Intuos has a bunch of programmable buttons. So 
I actually do a vast majority of my editing just using the pen tablets. The pen tablet supports the mouse, and then I have a bunch of buttons for like selecting all and cutting at playhead and stuff like that. Like I've customized them. Um, but I also mix it up and use the like the the webcam with the keyboard, and I use the keyboard shortcuts. And then I also have a magic trackpad, which I use for like scrolling around the timeline and stuff like that. And this is mostly for me; it's just a way to be able to vary my input method because most of my editing now um, it takes multiple hours to do the edits that I'm doing. So I need to be careful with ergonomics. And I found for me. Having a variety of tools at my disposal keeps keeps the ergonomics pretty sound. Okay, um, that's uh, just want to say that's exceptionally cool. I um, I um, hmm. Do you have you had problems with RSI or is it like like um, yeah pains that you had? Yeah, okay, have, yeah. Which is why I started down this path of finding different tools, and then what I've settled on right now, I actually knock on wood. I have not had any significant RSI problems this year. Um, and I think it's because I've I've learned a lot about how to operate my own body. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Right, like another like it's a simple thing for me that I've I've found out. Like I'm usually more susceptible to getting RSI as the weather gets colder. Okay. Uh, so I now have a heater in my office that I use to keep the office warmer hmm. and then it keeps it at bay. So, you know, I know that uh, this is a big topic for you, right? Because yeah. you had the the big John Syracuse episode, right? Yes, about we did, RSI yeah. stuff. Yep, episode fifty. That's right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I know it's like a, it's like a, a thing that comes up on the show a lot. But yeah, I've, I've felt it a little bit here and there. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I, I'm, forgive me. I was, I, it is it is something that I have have gone through myself as well, and mm-hmm. uh, and I find that the rotation of input method is 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 what resolves it for me. Um, I'm not sure that. Um, Brisbane gets as cold as where you are, <laughs> so maybe having a heater in my room. Mind you, it's the middle of summer at the moment, so um, I think it's different for different people. Like I, yeah. it, I don't only get these problems in winter. I've just noticed that I am more susceptible to them mm-hmm. in winter. But I think it really it's like you've got to you've really got to like work out what's best for you. Mm-hmm. And what's best for me is to not use any input method of any kind for too long. Like I have to rotate. Yes, absolutely. And that's the key. And one of the things that I, um, every now and then I bring it up with my wife, I say, I need to get one of those converting standing sitting desk things because we have them in the office and they're brilliant. So I'll like alternate between standing and sitting desks um, essentially when I go into the to the office, but at home I've got a fixed height desk and um, I'm not necessarily suggesting I'm going to get a treadmill desk. I think that's that's probably a bridge too far specifically for me, but that's okay. I'm, I'm glad that works for some people. Uh, but being able to vary my seating position and seating height actually is another great way of, 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 of preventing that uh, uh, any RSI from starting. And for me, again, you know, it's been probably a year and a half at least since my last called an episode, if you will, um, of uh, RSI on my right arm. So, yeah, I'm on a, I'm on a yeah, good, it's a good record. I'm on a good streak. Yes. Okay. So, um, so thanks for that. Uh, let's uh, just circle back then to um, the podcast editing that I do. So I'll start the other way around on the Mac. So yes, I still have Logic, and I have used it and did use it for uh, several, quite quite a few years actually, three three or four years. And I predominantly did my interaction um, through the mouse, uh, a couple of keyboard shortcuts, but predominantly through the mouse. And I was editing on that 
regularly enough. Uh, that is to say, uh, when I was at that point, I think I was doing pragmatic once a week and um, and so on. So that was it was regular enough, I guess. Probably not to the volume that you that you do editing though. This episode is brought to you by ManyTrix, makers of helpful apps for the Mac. Whose apps do you guessed it? ManyTrix. Their apps include Butler, Keymail, Leech, Desktop Curtain, TimeSync, Moom, Name Angler, Resolutionator, and Witch. There's a lot to talk about for every app they make, so we're just going to touch on some highlights for five of them, starting with TimeSync. Track the time you spend in apps or activities on your Mac the simple and easy way with TimeSync. You can pull your apps by common activities, create custom trackers for non-Mac activities, and its simple but powerful reporting feature shows you exactly where your time went so you can plan better and stay focused. Resolutionator. So simple. A drop-down menu from the menu bar, and you can change the resolution of whatever display you like that's currently connected to your Mac. The best part, though, you can even set your resolution to fit more pixels than are actually there. It's very handy when you're stuck on your laptop and need more screen real estate. Which? You should think about which as a supercharger for your command tab app switcher. If you've got three or four documents open at once in any one app, then Witch's beautifully simple pop-up quickly lets you pick exactly the one you're looking for. You can switch between tabs as well as apps and app windows with horizontal, vertical, or menu bar switching panels. With text search for switching, you can show the frontmost app in the menu bar icon with full touch bar support and much, much more. Name Mangler. Suppose you've got a whole bunch of files. You need to rename them quickly, efficiently, and large numbers of them. Name Mangler can help you. It's designed for staged renaming sequences and powerful rejects pattern matching. Recent additions include a group by feature when making a sequence and title case conversions can now keep their existing formatting or you can convert them to lowercase based on their word length. Very cool. The best part is it shows you the result as you go. And if you mess anything up, just revert back to where you started and try again. Moom makes it easy to move your windows to whatever screen positions you want, halves, corners, edges, fractions of the screen, and then you can even save and recall your favorite window arrangements with a special auto-arrange feature when you connect or disconnect an external display. It has full touch bar support and keyboard integration with Adobe's apps, and it also works perfectly on iPad operating in sidecar mode too. It's the first app I load on a new Mac because it's just awesome. Now, that's just five of their great apps, and that's only half of them, and they all work with the latest version of macOS Catalina. All of these apps have free trials that you can download from ManyTricks or OneWord.com slash Pragmatic, and you can easily try them out before you buy them. They're all available from their website or through the Mac App Store. However, if you visit that URL, you can take advantage of a special discount off their very helpful apps, exclusively for Engineered Network listeners. Simply use Pragmatic19, that's Pragmatic the word, and 19 the numbers, in the discount code box in the shopping cart, and you'll receive 25% off. Now, this offer is only available to Engineered Network listeners for a limited time, so take advantage of it while you can. Thank you to ManyTricks once again for sponsoring the Engineered Network. Then I discovered Ferrite um, on the iPad and uh, it was actually suggested, it was, I found out about it through Jason Snell, interestingly enough. And um, it's, it's been a tool that has grown on me very quickly. And one of the things I like about using Ferrite is that uh, I'll actually use it as odd as it sounds. Well, maybe it doesn't sound odd, but I use the keyboard as well as touch. And I don't tend to use the Apple Pencil, but... Yeah, no, I actually really requested uh, more keyboard shortcuts from the developer mm. and they very kindly did something that i didn't even know could be possible but they they, they did it so would you just who make ferrite mm-hmm. they have keyboard shortcut sets so you can change your keyboard shortcuts to default to a program you're already used to mm. so there is and there is a choice to add logic 
keyboard shortcuts instead. So you can switch over the keyboard shortcuts so they operate like Logic does, which was which is great for like muscle memory stuff, depending on where you're coming from. Oh, for sure. So that I've been using Ferrite for multiple years, and I didn't even know that they had support for that. Ah, wow. Because it's, it's one of those apps which, as it should, has a million settings. Mm. Yeah, which is it's what you want in a pro app. Yeah, exactly. And it's uh, but the good thing about the the depth of those selections is that they are they're specific. They're very relevant to a broad array of of use cases, but it's still very honed for that one application, which is, you know, editing a podcast. I, I don't know if Ferrite's necessarily designed specific, is going to be as good for doing something like a 12-string a, a orchestra sort of thing. Um, I guess you probably could use it for that if you were trying to compose on it or something, I don't know, or edit edit that. But I mean, to be honest, it was really developed more for what we do, I think, whereas Logic's far more flexible in what you can do with it. But anyway... Um, so yes, I use Ferret for everything. So this this show um, has been edited. Uh, if future tense will be edited in um, Ferrite, and pretty much every episode of, of of a podcast I've edited for the last nearly three and a half, well maybe three years, has been in Ferrite. And uh, much with your workflow as with mine, um, I, I find now that going back to Logic is sort of messes up my workflow considerably. So. Mm. I remember how to use it. I know how to use it. Uh, and, and and for noise reduction on my iPad, I use a uh, an audio unit plugin um, called uh, Bruce Free. Again, I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm probably mangling it, but never mind. And uh, this particular one also does the noise reduction. It, uh, it does a pretty good job so long as everything you're editing is less than um, 100 minutes in length. That's another story. Anyhow, um, yes, if it's over that, break it down into 100-minute chunks. Sorry, 99-minute and 59-second chunks. <sighs> Sigh. Never mind. All right. So um, I find that um, the flexibility of being able to do the editing on the iPad is great. It's lightweight. I can take it with me. It's got decent battery life and so on and so forth. And if I'm going to be editing in Logic, I'd do it on a desk scenario, desk environment rather than try to do it in a laptop environment because that would completely throw my workflow with that. Okay. So that's the first one that we both do um, a reasonable amount of. So let's think about what devices we then use and applications for something more mundane. And I say mundane, I mean, I'm sure everybody uses a word processing app of some kind. So whether that's Pages or, or Microsoft Word. So if, if you were doing editing on, on one of those, which would be the device you would go to? Always iPad Pro. Wow, okay. Quick answer, very good. Yeah, see, for me, really, the, the Mac is only used for audio work. Everything else I'm doing... Uh, for work stuff on on my iPad. Okay, fair enough. So for me, um, I, I I'm a big believer in flexibility of screen real estate and screen real estate and, and pixels is mm-hmm. is king. And when I'm doing most of the stuff that I'm doing for my for my job job, as I say, uh, requires that screen real estate. So I need to do have multiple documents up for reference, comparison. Uh, sometimes uh, copying, pasting text, uh, not plagiarizing. Uh, between documents and such, unless I'm, it's my own stuff. I technically, you can't plagiarize your own work, I guess. Anyway, mm-hmm. point is, um, I need that screen real estate, and for me, that's always been the issue uh, with using the iPad for uh, for um, those, those sorts of documentation. Uh, however, having said that, there are still cases where I will be doing something like an independent uh, memo uh, or something like that, uh, or a very short document that doesn't require. Uh, that screen real estate and I have on occasion then used the iPad Pro for that and to be honest it does a perfectly good job 
Uh, it's a perfectly passable job, but I always find myself like looking at the edges of the screen, wishing I had a little bit more space. All right. Um, I think you could probably bundle together things like spreadsheets, PowerPoint, Keynote applications, and so on and so forth under this, a similar kind of a bucket. And based on your previous answer, I'm assuming it's the same kind of answer. Yeah. Yeah, that's always going to be on the App Hub. Okay. So for me, uh, the funny thing for me, though, is that I actually find with spreadsheets, PowerPoint, and Keynote, I, I will do them on the desktop, but I need screen real estate less generally when I'm working on those, some spreadsheets maybe, hmm. and I and I lean more towards the iPad. Um, but uh, it's, I, I guess one of the things I do love about the world we're in right now is that we have that choice because when the iPad first came out and iOS was available, there was this whole thing with uh, Microsoft where we weren't sure that we were ever going to get uh, proper desktop desktop class citizens, I guess you could say, um, on iOS, and and now we have them, and they're brilliant. And uh, do you use have you used Office at all on the iPad? Yeah, I use. Uh, I, I actually, yeah, I've used both Word and uh, no Excel. Yeah. There we go. I don't. I I I will typically gravitate toward pages and numbers, mm-hmm. but sometimes depending on who you're working with and the, the documents that they require, Word and Excel are needed, and so I've used them. And I think they're really good uh, on on iOS. But I just over time have just gravitated toward numbers and pages but i do i do use both oh for sure understand and and i'm in i'm in one of those situations where my office is you know is it is windows microsoft more or less although recently they just started to accept max more which is great um the truth is that office 365 is the backbone of the organization and so uh, as it is for a lot of organizations so you know I've had to use them and being able to use them on an iPad and watching the improvements that Microsoft have made to the applications over the last four or five years has been truly impressive. Mm. They've gone from being, uh, we will never develop anything on a Mac because it's not running Windows to um, we will now embrace the major platforms and we are actually going to seriously put time, effort and energy into doing it really well, uh, which is great. So having that flexibility to jump between the iPad and the Mac working on a spreadsheet is very, very useful. So it, it allows you to use the best of both. That said, I, I still prefer yeah. um, numbers on an iPad. I think it's it just works better. Um, just silly little things like dragging columns and rows around is something that's very much more difficult on um, on Office uh, Excel for the for the iPad. Anyhow, all right, it's about as exciting as Excel ever got. So we'll move on. Um, Social media is something that we both deal with, I think, uh, interact with, you know what I mean? It's hard not to say deal with. Anyhow, mm-hmm. um, so just broadly, because it's obviously, and maybe it's a different answer uh, for some of these between uh, smartphones and tablets potentially, but um, just to reel off the list, the ones I'm interacting with, which would be just the Fediverse, otherwise known as Mastodon, Pleroma, Miski, and all those different ones, but I think ActivityPub. Uh, then, of course, our old faithful Twitter, Facebook, yeah, you know, Instagram sometimes. And um, I'm going to get in and say, first of all, I almost entirely use those on a smartphone because of portability, I think, more than anything. Um, so my main social networks would be uh, Instagram and uh, Twitter. And I, you know, for obvious reasons, mostly use Instagram on my iPhone. I, the web app is pretty good and sometimes I will check stuff, but it's very rare that I would actually be doing anything of note. Um, and then Twitter is, it varies between the iPad and the iPhone for the majority of 
time. Uh, it kind of just depends where I am and what I'm doing. Like if I'm on the move, I'll be using my iPhone, but if I'm at home, I'll be using the iPad. And I use the official Twitter client now. I've moved to that. It, it works perfectly fine for me and has over time uh, actually reduced the amount of time I'm spending on Twitter because the app isn't <laughs> as good. So, you know, that's actually a nice little benefit that I've found in the official app. Yeah, I have this... I, I keep the official app installed on my phone for Twitter um, because it passes through more information if I want to see it, whereas other ones don't get that forwarded onto them anymore. The API was was had the legs cut out from under it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, which is kind of unfortunate. But uh, in any case, uh, so... Yeah, I do actually, in fairness, sometimes do use Interact um, on the desktop, but that's more of a, a question of convenience, not having to physically pick up the phone if I'm at my desk. But yeah, yeah, in, in my job, job work environment, all of that's firewalled to death, so you don't get notifications. For, yeah, of course, right? You know, so of course. it's not like you get a heck of a lot through um, on the desktop anyway. So you predominantly look at your phone. Uh, so. Uh, any, I uh, just trying to think about any other classes of of, of application, and um, I was thinking specifically because obviously there's other areas we could we could talk about things like you know watching movies and so on and so forth. But I guess that's kind of less interesting to me at this point. I was, I was thinking about more of like interaction stuff. Any other those like key things that you um, you could use on a Mac or on iOS on a tablet, for example, and a preference for one or the other that come to yeah. mind. I'm just curious. Did we cover email? No, we didn't. It's a good one. Yeah, email for me, it's everywhere. <laughs> it's yeah. like it, it. It doesn't matter for me so much with email because my I don't uh, I don't really go to email very much. Email comes to me, right? So <laughs> yeah. I will mostly handle email wherever I am when the thing, whenever the thing comes to me, and mm-hmm. I'm going to reply to you know. I have notifications on for email, and that's typically just how I deal with it. Like, I, when I worked in my office job, uh, I actually just checked email a few times a day. So, like, I would go in and check email a couple of times a day. But with what I do now, it, it's much. It, I much prefer to just have to deal with email whenever I see something I need to deal with. So, in that sense, I I do email from everything, and I'm using uh, the app Spark, mm-hmm. and that. That works for me, and it's it's basically the same application everywhere, so it doesn't really feel very different. Okay, no, fair enough. I, I dabbled with Spark there for a while, and uh, I'm trying to remember why I went away from it. It was um, it was the server. I think it was one of those. It's one of those server side creden- um, cache credentials and things. Maybe I was going through a bit of a privacy mm-hmm. bent at the time. I think, yeah, it, it has that. My my, th- I actually am not the biggest fan of the application itself. Mm. Uh, but I'm a big fan of their team services. Oh, okay, that, that works really well for me. Okay, well, that's, I never actually delved into that too much. So, well, that sounds interesting. I um, mm. it's very particular, right? Like if if you don't have a a, a team, mm. a small team, or like that you have control over in regards to what services could be used, right? Then it seems unlikely. Like I can't imagine people being able to, like they're working for a big company and convince everyone to go to Spark. Like it doesn't work. But because I run my own small business, like I can say, oh no, for our team email, we're Mm going to use this. And that's what we will use because that's what I need. So it's like a different different Mm -hmm. environment. And I think that's probably the difficulty of running a service like that. It's not like a, they're not this huge enterprise company like a Slack or whatever. So I don't really know what the future of a service is like that, but I know for me right now it's working great. Interesting. Okay, cool. I uh, So for me, uh, I have two different 
apps that I use for my email. I've got Microsoft Outlook, which I I more or less exclusively use for my JOB job for work. And I use that to essentially put it in a bucket and say, you know, you work email, sit over there and I'll open you when I want to open you, which mm-hmm. is, you know, 8 till 5, Monday to Friday, generally speaking. And if someone calls me on the phone on the weekend or after hours and says, hey, I sent you an email, which is always hilarious, someone calling you and saying, hey, I sent you an email, mm-hmm. but never mind. Um, so uh, that's something I'll do almost exclusively on the desktop environment. And, and that's mainly because I'm using my laptop when I'm working. Um, whereas on an iPad and an iPhone, I will do that when I'm out and about if I have to, if I'm out and about during the day. But if it's a separate app again, uh, and I just use the built-in mail app for everything else. Uh, as much as I have a love-hate relationship with it, um, it kind of mostly usually does the job and it's good enough. And uh, again, I'll, email, I'll I tend to try and email as much as I can on the desktop because I, I prefer the keyboard. Um, if I only have my iPad with me, I will use the iPad, of course. But um, but generally speaking, I'll because I'll, email being an asynchronous thing, typically I'll, I'll wait until I'm in a more suitable environment. Um, yeah, with with the best keyboard and the, the nicest screens and everything, and you know, whatever, whatever, just makes it easier. So anyhow, all right, cool. So there's email. Um, let's see any others that come to mind. I don't think so. I think we've I think we've covered the vast majority of the, of the honestly the types of work that I do. Okay, fair enough. So, um, I guess then just uh, looking to uh, sort of like wrapping up a little bit on this is that I was thinking about if you've got if if the if it's a portability debate, then once your performance or the performance of your portable device exceeds the requirements for any given task, then the portability or not of it doesn't matter anymore because it's essentially fully performant for whatever you might need. So as we evolve forward, imagine in future a perfectly light, fully performant, unbreakable, yeah, well, I can dream, an unbreakable tablet. So you drop it from three feet off the ground and it's totally fine. So it's like it doesn't matter anymore. You can't make the argument, well, you know, I don't want to use a tablet because it's too easy to break or, you know, it's not as performant as something like an iMac Pro. There will come a time when its performance will far exceed if it doesn't already, for some Macs, desktop Macs actually, come to think of it. Um, and such, that's not a problem. It's all about the interface. It's like, what's the best interface? Um, and then, of course, you can go the other way and say, well, imagine it's a desktop PC or a Mac and it's connected to multiple massive screens and maybe the screens are worth $10,000 because it's only money, it's an XDR display, you know, and so on with a nice stand, never mind. But the idea is you've got a massive array of screen real estate, best keyboard, best mouse, best, best trackpad, arguably most of those exist already. Um, so it's now down to the interface and what is it? which is the optimal interface for the application that you're using. And if you are able to have a device of each type, then that's great. And understanding which device you should go to and having the flexibility to choose um, I think that, that the time we live in is, is, is amazing because we are rapidly reaching that point where you could use a smartphone for everything, you could use an iPad Pro for everything, or or even a MacBook, a MacBook Pro, or or an iMac Pro for pretty much anything. Uh, and having that flexibility is great. And if you can manage to have multiple devices, then you can fine tune to a point where you are using the best application and the best device for what you need, which is awesome. Yeah, I think so. Which I mean, it's a great time to be a computer user, right? Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. I think it's fantastic. And I just, uh, every now and then I walk outside um, and I forget to take my phone, but that's okay because I've got my, my Apple Watch on and it's got LTE and I can still send and mm-hmm. receive messages and phone calls. And mm-hmm. it's just incredible. And I love it. And I think that um, the future is only going to have more options, not less. And then you could argue that now it's creating more of a dilemma, but <laughs> how do you choose? All right, so if you want to talk more about this, you can reach me on the Fediverse at chidgy at engineered.space. Uh, you can find pragmatic at engineered.network or you can follow engineered underscore net on Twitter to see uh, show-specific announcements. Uh, if you're enjoying Pragmatic and want to support the show, you can via Patreon at patreon.com slash johnchidgy or one word. Uh, with a thank you to all of our patrons and a special thank you to our silver producers, Carsten Hansen, John Whitlow, Joseph Antonio and Kevin Koch and an extra special thank you to our gold producer known only as R. Uh, patron rewards include a named thank you on the website, a named thank you at the end of episodes, access to raw sh- detailed show notes, as well as ad-free high-quality releases of every episode. So if you'd like to contribute something, anything at all, that's there's lots of great rewards. And beyond that, it's all really, really appreciated. Uh, of course, there's other ways of uh, helping the show, like favoriting the episode in your podcast player app or sharing the episode or the show with your friends or via social. Some podcast players let you share audio clips too of episodes. So if you have a favorite segment, feel free to share that as well. Uh, all these things help others to discover the show and can make a huge difference. I'd personally like to thank Many Tricks for sponsoring the Engineered Network. If you're looking for some Mac software that can do many tricks, remember, specifically visit this URL, manytricks.com slash pragmatic for more information about their amazingly useful apps. So if you would like to get in touch with uh, Mike, uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you, Mike? Uh, I'm pretty much on all social networks as iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Awesome. Well, that's easy. Uh, so uh, once again a special thank you to our patrons uh, a big thank you to everyone for listening and um, as always uh, thanks once again for coming back on the show Mike it's uh, been a blast pleasure thank you for having me anytime <laughs>